Hello, this is Tracy Lee. Welcome back to Life or Something Like It. One of my favorite things that I do is volunteering with Boys and Girls Club. And I absolutely adore all their little faces, the love, the laughter, the beautiful chaos that is our club. So I volunteer with the age 6 to 12 year olds and uh, over at Victor Major School in St. Patel. It is by far the best volunteer experience I've ever had. I started there about coming up three years ago and uh, just, I don't know what it was. I knew very quickly that it was the right place for me. Um, I love the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. It speaks to the fact that we as individuals, even in the smallest ways, can make a difference doesn't have to be something huge, doesn't have to be a huge undertaking, but just little steps that we take can make a difference for people. I have a little uh, picture in a frame on my desk and it, it says, a hundred years from now, it won't matter what my bank account was, the kind of house I lived in or the type of car I drove, but the world may be different because I was important in the life of a child. And I've had that picture for Oh, probably it's got to be coming up 15, 20 years. And I I thought of it more as being a parent, but I realized that it applies in, in so many ways in our life. What I love the most about Boys and Girls Club is the variety of the kids that are there. There's kids from all over the world. A lot of them are coming over to Canada from war torn or, or under or impoverished countries with their families, just coming to Canada to to start a new life. When I see their faces as they experience their first winter and knowing that they can just be safe playing outside in the snow and just, you know, all the seasons, watching them run around playing and just being allowed to be kids. That really just makes me, it warms my heart so much. And so many of their parents are such hard workers, taking on two or three jobs, or going to school to get their their Canadian um, credentials for maybe something that they did in the country they originate from. It's just so nice to see that these families are getting an opportunity here that they wouldn't have otherwise. What I love is my favorite group seems to be those that are sort of around eight years old. There's just something about that age they're, they're sort of in between being little people into sort of evolving into their selves, their true personalities, their value system, and they're starting to think about where they fit in the world. And I know that this age holds sort of a significance for me, simply because that's the age where my world turned upside down and I sort of stopped being that carefree child around then. I'll talk about more more about that in a future episode but I know that that's a big reason why and it's funny like the kids will often ask me how old are you and I I, I'll just sort of try and laugh it off or or I'll say today I'm the same age as you and it's just kind of a way to remind myself that it really doesn't matter how old I am I'm still having fun with them doing crafts and coloring and just those simple things And I just get so relaxed just playing Lego with them or making little shapes out of Play-Doh. And I've I've become kind of a a little expert foosball player 
well, not really, but I've shown the boys that there's a different approach to playing, that it, it can be that slow and steady can win the race. We don't always have to have the fast shots and the, the ball moving all over the place, going nowhere or flying up into the air. I, uh, you know, and it's funny because I kind of got an elbow injury last summer playing badminton with the kids. And I, I played with them all summer. And I was just determined to, to beat these little eight-year-olds. You know, how silly is that? But it was so much fun. But I, I paid the price with a bit of a, not a tennis elbow, but a badminton elbow. One of my other favorite parts of being at Boys and Girls is the staff. I just enjoy them all. We've had lots of different staff come in and out because it's a, it's a good place for, they have a program for people taking the youth uh, and childcare programs, uh, youth, recreation, or youth recreation program at Red River. So they come there to get their experience and then we'll have other casual staff and that kind of thing. And we've got our club manager, He's been there 20 years now. So he, he started out when the club was maybe, oh, geez, 10 or 20 kids. And now we're upwards of oh, 50 or 60. So it's cool. And, and then uh, today I've got my friend Matthew. He is the program facilitator there. And even though he's almost 30 years younger than me, we are definitely kindred spirits. And I look forward to working with them every time I go to club. So I invited him to talk with me today and just to talk about what makes Boys and Girls Club so special. So uh, without uh, further delay, here's my guest, Matthew Wheeler. Hello. Hi, Matthew. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for uh, agreeing to talk with me today. Uh, considering it was your suggestion that I should start a podcast, it's only fair that you have to uh, do this with me. Thank you for having me. So what prompted you to suggest I do this crazy thing anyways? Well, um, what's the word? You're very outgoing and you're very smart and you're very inspirational. And... (laughs) You seem to stick up for people who don't have a voice. So why not just use a radio thing to amplify your voice and have a more powerful voice? Oh, that's awesome. For all the little people out there. Oh, that's cool. Are you are you eating chips while we're, we're talking or what? I was sitting on a squeaky chair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you've been working with Boys and Girls Club for a few years now. I've been with you for a couple. Um, tell me what sort of drew you to the organization and the job. You're the program facilitator there. Um, what what was it that sort of attracted you to it? Um, I guess what it would be is it's a combination of playing with kids, making them laugh, and laughing too. Like I get to... I get to enjoy just hanging out with them. And so they laugh, I laugh, um, I tell fables, some people call them lies. <laughs> and we we just joke around. It's just sharing that good energy and that good time with those people and just trying your best to meet their needs as a whole so that they can have the best foot forward in the future. Yeah, I agree with you. There's so much... Uh 
if we can help them in any small way, that's, that's wonderful. But what we get out of it is that ability to um, kind of be kids again. And the title of this podcast is Kids at Heart, which I think uh, that sort of allows us that opportunity to go back to that place of just a simple, fun time, like you said, laughter, making them forget anything that might be stressful in their life we'll forget what's stressful in our life just because we're in that we're in the moment when we're with them and it's just those simple everyday things that make us sort of get caught up in it and then all of a sudden everything else sort of seems to fall away i've noticed yeah it's very true so when you think about you and i've talked a lot about our childhoods and sort of some different challenges that we faced as kids I really think it does have a big impact. The way that we were brought up certainly has an impact as to how we interact with the kids. Uh, How do you think that that maybe brings a different experience and value to our interaction with kids? Um, I would think, I think like it comes down to quality of care. Like there's a lot to say, a lot to be said about people who go through the motions with kids and don't pick up on things like oh you're sad when I speak to you like this or you're having trouble handling um when people make fun of you 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 don't have proper coping skills and it's it's being able to see what this person's needed and then when I was their age what did I need what did I wish someone had said to me what did I feel like is missing that I could give to a child so that they can go through their time and come out successful and to have a better outlook. Cause you know, the kids who get haggard after long periods of time. And that's where you see like a personality change where maybe their core beliefs or their emotional values start to change in terms of survival to like protect themselves or to just keep themselves safer, to keep things moving, to move on from hurt. And pain like those are coping skills that I think sometimes we we develop as um, kids adult and teenagers that aren't the best coping skills and I think it's giving them the best coping skills that makes them that makes it fun and makes it awesome and when they don't even know I think it's sort of cool because then you're like yeah you're not miserable anymore that's good you're not you're not a brat you can continue on that's so true because you know, I remember often being called a brat when I was a kid, or unfortunately, my mom would say things like, you were a little bitch, (laughs) bluntly. And I often would, you know, in the heat of the moment as an adult, I would say to my mom, yeah, I was a kid, you were an adult. I was reacting to my situation. I was sad. I was angry. I felt lonely. I didn't fit in. I didn't feel safe at home. I didn't feel safe at school. And so what I love is if I can make, even for whatever, how long am I there? A couple of hours, even if for a couple of hours that one or two or four of those kids can feel safe and feel that just knowing that they're validated, they're, they're seen, that they're, Mm -hmm. they're accepted for exactly who they are. That to me is where I can kind of get that, that value. It's like what you said earlier of, um, that it's an empathy it's an empathy yeah. for them right and to just be able to 
put ourselves back there, whatever it was we felt. And did you, did you have that a lot like growing up where like, what was it like for you? Did you feel, did you have a good sense of community when you were a kid? Did you have a good group of friends, family? Like how was sort of your growing up in terms of that, mostly that fitting in piece? How was that for you? Um, no, like we, I didn't have a good sense of community. Um, being from a, uh, first generation Canadian and then my parents are immigrants. There's a, a parent, my parents do have done, or my mom has done a lot of things to sort of protect us in terms of assimilation. So she's sort of made it so like, she would say things like, well, you're not Jamaican, you're, uh, you're Canadian, right? To let you know that, you know, I want you to fit, try your best to fit in here, right? So that you can get the best opportunities you can in life. And that leaves you with a bit of, I don't know where I belong. I don't know who really I am as a person. So there's a lot of, I call it a cultural disconnect because I call Canada the world's biggest like hotel, right? <laughs> where people are just coming in and then they're leaving like you're not really here I feel like people aren't really here to stay a lot of cultures come here to do better for their lives but if they had it if they had it up to them I don't think anybody would live where it could be minus 40 in February because that's that's crazy talk right um I've often wondered that yeah for sure right but in terms of making friends I've always been able to make friends but that might also be like a uh, survival mechanism or a safety mechanism, right? Instead of uh, like something that I actually like to do. I just happen to be good at it because looking for the empathy in myself, I'm like, okay, well, what would I like to hear? What would some, what would some, what's something nice someone would say to me that I'd really like, right? Like sort of like Robin, Robin Williams, yeah, right? Like, like just being sort of in pain, but like having fun at the same time. And um, that's, that's sort of what it's like. Like I, I have tons of friends, but um, you know, you gotta, you gotta listen more through all the jokes to see who I really am. And that translates over to the kids because um, through all the jokes, they're able to see, okay, Matthew's trying to teach me something here, but he's putting it in joke form so that I remember it. So it's a lot of, uh, a lot of things like that and a lot of funny moments. That's so interesting what you say about making friends and, and all that being a bit of a survival mechanism. I think that I've often done that as well. And uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, people will often say, oh, you're so outgoing, you're so confident, you're so this, you're so that. But meanwhile, inside, I've always had that thing of, I just want people to like me. I just mm -hmm. want people to accept me. And then I guess as I've gotten older, I've be become a little bit more realistic in reminding myself that I'm not going to like everybody. So why should <laughs> I expect everybody to like me? And mm -hmm. not everybody, you know, I'm not everybody's cup of tea and that's okay. Um, but it's interesting how, like I found with you from the first time we met, it's almost like it was an instant connection. And I wonder sometimes if, I don't want to call us broken, but you know, people that kind of have scars and bumps and things like that. I think, I wonder if we do just gravitate to each other without even knowing why until we learn more about each other. And then we realize, oh, I see a kindred spirit in this 
this person. Yeah. You, you find that to be true? Yeah. Yeah, v very much so. Um, I, I always say, um, I always call you like the red Mr. Miyagi. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's things that I, I feel like I have to learn and that you've experienced or you've walked through or you've treaded down. Um, I, I call it the Hugh Jackman effect where um, we all we all think Wolverine is great and we all think that, you know, being that that person who can tell you how it is and like, you know, call the shots and just speak their truth no matter what. We always think that person's so cool and, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be just like that. But we never think how that person got there or how they made themselves or what shaped that person to become that way. We always think that that's just a great personality trait to have and you wish you had it. Oh, and wow. you were the one who sort of taught me that, no, this is something that's built over time. This is a bunch of bumps and bruises and scrapes. And then I think I know the road, right? So it's, mm. uh, it's pretty neat because we've been in instances where we need some leadership and no one's doing it. And then Tracy will come out here and say what needs to be said or establish what needs to be established or like the handle a crisis that needs to be handled. And I'm just like, lesson learned. Okay, great job. Great job. Oh my God. That just, oh, that. That just surprises me because I, I mean, I guess that's like you said earlier, that survival thing. My way of surviving is, okay, there's a problem. I've got to solve it. And I've been like that since I was little. I think mm -hmm. simply because there were so many problems. Yeah. I was always that need of, oh, I've got to figure out a way to fix this mess right now. It's, it's a blessing and a curse. I'd rather be this way than not, but yeah. it can be hard because I'm like, if I'm standing up for the underdog, why isn't everybody else? Or yeah. why am I the only one who has the courage to speak up? And yeah. I have to remember that at this stage of my life, I have a lot less to lose than someone like yourself who's in their 20s, building their career, building their life, learning about themselves. You know, so I have to often say, okay, first of all, has anyone asked me to be the voice of this particular group of people? Most mm -hmm. times not, and I just spout off. But if it's me setting my boundaries and protecting myself, I'll do it because someone has to. If I didn't have good boundaries as a kid or as a young adult, and so now if somebody pushes me, I very quickly need to put up the, the hand. Look, yeah. stop, you know. And particularly in a place like Boys and Girls Club where we have those values that we expect the kids to live by so respect and making sure we're safe and teamwork and all those things that's always going to be my thing is we've got to live by that kind of in our everyday lives whether it's there in our jobs whatever our job may be so mm -hmm. but it's tough it's tough sometimes because like Sean will often say to me oh my god Tracy like you're always fighting for the underdog don't you get exhausted don't you get sad? Don't I'm like, yeah, you know, but like I said, I'd rather be this way than not. Yeah. And if I, if I help anybody along the way, then that's where I get my worth, I guess, mm -hmm. is that just doing that. And, you know, we have such a variety of kids at boys and girls, like from all walks of life, all nationalities, all different home situations. Some of them enjoy you. Some of them enjoy me or both of us. Sometimes they'll look at us like, what? But as long as we can have 
like you said, that impact and know that we've added, added some kind of value to their lives, yes. I think then we've done a good thing. And I mean, if you look at it, what do you think that we're giving to them that maybe like will sort of guide them in their later life? Like, I don't know, were you part of Boys and Girls when you were a little boy or no? No, no, not at all. I played a lot of uh, community basketball. Um, but I think what we give them is, I think we, um, it's like Inspector Gadget. Like, I, I think, I think we, um, like a Swiss, Swiss Army knife, we, we fill in a lot of their needs that aren't being met. I think every kid can come out and, and have one need sort of addressed. And so even though that's 50, 60, 70 needs, even if it's just one time, they seem to really remember it and hold on to it. Even the ones that don't speak English or just fresh, fresh from fresh from wherever they're from, they'll, hey, I drew this. Do you like it? Yeah, you did a great job. And their faces light up and they come and they try and look for the same thing. Oh, hey, you, you know, you colored with me. Hey, you did this with me. Hey, can you do this with me? Hey, do you want to be my partner for this? Like a good example is um, the foosball table. You ran, you turn this foosball table, which was like this tornado into sort of a, um, this central hub for kids who now they want you on their team when, <laughs> when they were ruthless before and they didn't want anybody and they just wanted to win. And they really liked having you there and they'd call for you and they really let you know, let you know that, Hey, you're important to this. And it's because you make me feel this way when you're here. And that, that's a lot of kids. Cause that's, I don't know, you take like a third of the kids just to play foosball. So that, that's pretty, to me, that's pretty amazing. And it's just meeting those needs each and every day and each and every way. And I think we take out the time to deal with small emotional issues that get swept over when they're in school. Because yeah. I can take kids in the hallway and be like, hey, what's really going on? What's wrong? Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, um, I feel like when people don't want to hear me when I talk, I get really mad. I get really upset. Right. Um, people don't listen to me. Um, people are making fun of me because of my accent. Um, you know, like like things like that. Like, and how do we work with that? So parents miss things because they're just trying to make it until they make it. And teachers can't have, do everything. But I think we get smaller groups. We can divide them into smaller groups and really tackle more complex issues, which creates deeper bonds. Oh, that's so true. And I got to tell you, the only reason the kids ever want to play foosball with me is because I'm so bad at it. They know that they'll they'll do better than me. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't play that game. But it's fun because for so long, I've always been with the girls, right? I've always been doing the crafts and the stickers and whatever. And it even yesterday I was there and I was um, I was playing foosball with the boys and there were some new boys there. And, and it was really cool. They're like, oh, we love playing with you. You're cool. And then when we went to leave, the boys were like, hey, Tracy's going, say bye. And I was like, oh, that's, cool. that's so cool. Or like when the kids climb all over you and they're just like, or they'll say to me, where's Matthew? Like yesterday, where's Matthew? Why isn't mm -hmm. Matthew here? And I like that they're looking around. They want to know where you're at. And yeah. Or I'll say, they'll say, can we do this? And I'll say, go ask Matthew, he's in charge. Well, aren't you in charge? No, I'm a volunteer. He's my boss. And they'll just <laughs> laugh. You know, they'll say, he's your boss. <laughs> and uh, it's just, I just think it's cool. Like, I like 
I like that. And I like that we, we can, the staff can all sort of bounce off each other and the volunteers, we can all just kind of fill in where it's needed and we each bring our different skill set to the table. So that's what I love so much about it. Mm -hmm. Do you sort of see yourself continuing on this path in some way? When you think of your longer term career, do you want to keep helping young people find their potential and help them out in life? Do you think that's something that would be a good rewarding thing for you? Yeah, yeah, a thousand percent. Um, when, when I look at my career, I look at a lot of things that either I wanted to do or I let fear stop me to, or indecision or doubt, or just any of these walls and barriers that kids don't really know that they have. Like when I had coached the girls flag football team, they, they had a lot of like, well, I don't want his people to see me run. I'm like, well, we're playing outside, so you need to be okay with this because you're running, yeah. right? Like yeah. it was like like think like things that they didn't know that were bugging them, so they'd act out, and then you'd have to reel them back in, and then we'd have a way better time, right? Matthew, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated because when I throw the ball, they and and it and it and it misses them. They yell at me, and I don't like that. And I'm like, well, they're going to yell for the ball, and if you don't throw it, they're going to yell anyway. <laughs> right. So you need to, you need to make a choice. You need to make a choice. Right. I'd rather have you try and not succeed because when it does, when someone does catch it, you're going to feel great. Right. Or, you know, or don't throw it and then get sacked and then we have to start back more. Right. You know, so, you, you know, you're down if you do, you're down if you don't play to win. So we yeah. would address those mentalities, but they would translate over into their school and into the way they felt about themselves and into the way they felt as a group. So when, when I'm talking about what I'm, what I'm trying to say is a whole picture here is um, basically I could see myself doing more things, working with kids still and trying to make them better mentally or trying to teach them things that I wish I knew in a way that is practical. Mm -hmm. right? I, I really don't like non-practical lessons because they don't get it. And if you, you're the messenger and you're not delivering the message, what's, what's the point, right? Because yeah. they're well, whatever 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 right it's like uh kobe Bryant and his kids so his kids don't see him as kobe Bryant, um five-time nba champion blah 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 mvp super basketball they see him as dad so when he <laughs> tries to teach them basketball they don't see the value so right. he has to change his lessons in a way in stories or get a third party so that they see value and then they regurgitate the lesson. Cause my mom used to say when I was growing up, you listen to everybody except me. I can tell like anybody can tell you something, but when, like when I tell you something, I'm wrong. I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, oh, I guess I do do that. And and speaking of basketball, you've been coaching the uh, teen boys team, and you guys, I hear, uh, swept away the the tournament on the weekend. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was horrible. Okay, it was. it was fun. It was fun. It was fun. It was stressful. It was fun. What's the What's the biggest stress with the teenage boys in the team? What do you find the the most challenging with the group? There, I never realized it, but. 
the teenage, they're 15, they're 15, so they're 15 years old, and the girls' flag, ball, flag football were 13, and the 15-year-olds and the 13-year-olds, I never realized they act exactly the same. The ch- most challenging thing was emotional control. Yeah. Um, it, like, they would get so overwhelmed emotionally that they could not see long-term. And we were playing a game, and it was we were, it was versus KWCC, and there's only six seconds left, and it's forty-eight to fifty. I think that's what it was, forty-eight to fifty, and they were doing an inbound. And if they hit the inbound to the right guy, he would back the guy in, and he would score, and that would no. So it's forty-nine to fifty. That's why. So if okay. we score, we won, right? The problem was the inbounder threw it to a different guy. He had more confidence in that guy. That guy swung out. Someone hit his hand. The ball rolled on the floor. It's a turnover, and it goes out of bounds. So the guy who didn't get the ball, he swore, and we got a tech. When we got a tech, they get two shots and the ball back, and there's still only six seconds left. So – Another, so we end up losing, and another coach from Maples comes up to us and they're like, Hey, you lost the game because you couldn't keep your emotions in check. You cost your team the game. And oh. he's like, Yeah, my bad, you know, my bad. Like, I, I see what you're saying. And the reason why the Maples coach said that is because if we had won, they would have played us in the finals. Oh. <laughs> so now they got to go home. But, um, but I can't it, believe another coach said that to a player. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was really happy he said it because he, my boys think that they can flip out whenever they want and then apologize after and we can go back to business. Uh, and you can, but you can't because there needs to be boundaries, there needs to be respect, and there needs to be a team coercion. And I got to a point with them where I told them, you guys don't listen to me. And if you don't want to win, that's what it looks like when you're not listening, like you don't want to win. And yeah. they're like, well, Matthew, you should just yell at us. And I'm like, I'm not going to yell at you. That's not fair. I have to raise my voice, stress myself out to reel you back in. You guys know what you need to do. But if you choose not to listen, those are your choices. and You need to be responsible for them. So. so good. I love that. And you know what? You're preparing them so much for the, uh, the grown-up world. Because when they go into a workplace, and that's why so many employers love to hire people that have played on teams because they've learned about trust, respect, um, pressure, uh, how you have to dedicate yourself to whatever sport it is to be good at it. Yeah. And that whole thing of controlling your emotions at work. If the only thing you can respond to is somebody yelling at you, well, I'm sorry, in most workplaces that's frowned upon. So (laughs) if you're waiting for your boss to yell at you, before you'll get a task done, you're going to have a tough time in the workplace. You're not going to be self-motivated, you know, so, and you're not going to respect that person just because of the fact that they're your, your team leader, that kind of thing. So I love that you're teaching them that bigger picture. Um, I know my, my husband coached uh, girls team basketball and our daughter played for the community club for years. And I was the crazy bench mom. And uh, you know, I mean, I was, oh my goodness, every game I was always jumping up and excited. And a lot of times, like our daughter, would, she was a really, really good player. 
she'd get a lot of the points. But if there was a game where I saw her angry out there or not being good to her teammates or disrespectful, there'd be a blast on the way home. I don't care if we won. Because mm-hmm. I would say, look, it's not just about the scoreboard. Yeah, you know, in this society nowadays, probably more than ever, it's win, 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 win at all costs. But big deal. If you had to step on a bunch of people to get there or treat them poorly, you're going to get an earful. So it it's good. It's good that they're learning that that bigger picture stuff. And how lucky that those kids have you as a coach and how lucky they get this opportunity with boys and girls to play on these teams and to be part of these clubs and something like just a respite for them during whatever their their life, whatever else might, might be going on in their lives. So oh, yeah. yep. I'm so glad they're there and I'm glad we both get to be a part of it. Thank you so much for chatting with me. And, mm. uh, you know, your friendship is one of the highlights of my life for sure. I always enjoy sharing our life experiences and, and our thoughts on life. So I'm glad I get to learn a lot from you and, and I hope you learn from me. So thank you. Um, thank you for having me. Um, you're doing a great job on this podcast. You're killing it. <laughs> I finally realized why podcasts are three hours. Lots to say, lots to regurgitate. Um, yeah, like it, it's pretty cool. I think it's cool that, you know, when I look at a lot of um, whether they're like super YouTube celebrities or Instagram celebrities mm-hmm. or anything like that, there's this like, I'm going to do it. I can see what I want. I know what I want. I don't know how it's going to look, but I'm going to take the steps and start walking to get there. And you really showed me that with this podcast because you brought on some really interesting people and you're just doing it and you're consistent and it's really cool. and It's really inspiring and it's really cool to be heard. So thank you very much and have me anytime. Thanks so much, Matthew. Bye for now. I love that guy. I see big things happening for him in the future. And the kids are so lucky to have him in their lives, truly. I think we can all do our part to make the world a better place. The bonus for me is just the the sheer joy and just the positivity that the kids have brought to my life. There are days when it's utter chaos and there's 60 kids running around and four of us trying to corral them a bit like wild cats. And it can be a little bit like drinking out of a fire hose. But it's the kind of chaos that brings so many rewards for them and us. I'm always going to treasure my time with the club, and I'm so glad I got involved. I know with so much on our plates at any given time, volunteering is a a tough activity to squeeze into our lives. But if you'd like to help in another way, you can certainly donate to Boys and Girls Club wherever you are. And here, Boys and Girls Club of Winnipeg, the club does depend on funding from the United Way and other funders and donors and individual donations from everyday people like you. So any amount will help. Just go to www.bgcwinnipeg.ca, click on Get Involved, and then click on Donate. I know that the club would appreciate anything you can do to help. I am so grateful for you. Thanks so much. Until next time, take care.